0: few rain patches uh, early next week it'll be back chat in a few moments from now uh, this is james ross i will see you tomorrow morning for money talk at eight o'clock now with the news headlines here's barry
1: Legislator Gary Zhang says the government needs to clarify as soon as possible the details of Sunday's resumption of quarantine-free travel with the mainland. Mr Zhang, who previously worked for the MTR Corporation, said it was reasonable that the high-speed rail to Guangdong would not be ready by Sunday as it needed to take into account mainland train timetables. He said he wasn't concerned about crowded border crossings given that passenger flow between Guangdong and Hong Kong could previously handle 400,000 people in a single direction. But he said a rumored quote of around 50,000 a day was too conservative, especially if offered on a first-come, first-served basis.
2: If according to different sources, the initial quota will be around 30,000 to 50,000, I think that's a little bit too conservative. And the first-come, first-served model will bring about a lot of problems because a large number of citizens will rush to the website to compete for places, and this will definitely give scalpers and opportunities to take advantage of.
1: Executive councillor and commercial sector lawmaker Jeffrey Lam says he hopes business travellers will be given priority on Sunday. He said many were eager to travel across the border to handle business matters before and during the upcoming Lunar New Year holiday. However, a deputy director of the Society for Community Organisation, Lai Shan, said part of the allocation should be reserved for people who want to go for family reasons.
3: They should also reserve the, those people for family. They urgently need to visit their relatives or family members in, in mainland China. And for the family uh, uh, category is uh, important also. Because some of them, for example, they are old parents in mainland. They are They need to take care of them and look after them and all their spouse there waiting for family union for years. So there are many urgent matters they, they need to uh, handle with their families.
1: A Ukrainian military commander in the shattered eastern town of Bakhmut has described the fierceness of the fighting there. It's one of the key battles of recent months. He said he hadn't seen Russian forces fight anywhere else with similar determination. We haven't
3: seen enemy troops like this before. Their soldiers openly advance under fire, even if they are littering the ground with their bodies, even if only 20 are left of their 60 men. It is very difficult to hold against such an invasion. A few weeks ago, we had to withdraw from the eastern approaches to the city to save our soldiers.
1: In Washington, a senior White House official said fighting around Bakhmut was likely to persist for the foreseeable future, with the outcome uncertain. France is to supply Ukraine with armoured fighting vehicles, the first time Western design fighting vehicles are to be sent there. The two countries' defence ministers will soon discuss how many AMX-10RC vehicles will be supplied. It's not clear when the consignment will arrive in Ukraine. The deal was announced after telephone talks between President Zelensky and Macron. Paris has already delivered rocket launchers, air defense missile systems, anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles, as well as armored personnel carriers to Ukraine. The Vatican says 195,000 people paid homage to the Pope Emeritus Benedict during the three days he lay in state in St. Peter's Basilica. The late pontiff's body will now be sealed in a coffin, along with symbolic items. Pope Francis will preside over a funeral mass today. The Foreign Secretary at the Vatican, Archbishop Paul Gallagher, indicated that Benedict's death could in time allow Pope Francis to consider his own retirement. If we had three popes, That would be a little bit difficult to manage, I would say. But now that Pope Benedict has has gone to the Lord, I think that Pope Francis will stick to those principles that he's established, that he will continue in this ministry as long as he believes and sees that he is capable. The U.S. Embassy in Cuba has reopened for the processing of visa applications. Cuban applicants queuing up outside the building in Havana said they'd waited a long time for this moment. Many added that they were looking forward to being reunited with their families. Washington closed the embassy's operations in 2017 because of a series of unexplained staff illnesses, which became known as Havana Syndrome. Relations between the U.S. and Cuba then deteriorated sharply during the presidency of Donald Trump, but have thawed over the past two years. And a Swedish court has found a former jihadist guilty of violating international law by posing with dead or severely injured bodies in Syria ten years ago. The court said Ubay Uba Benoitzon, a Swedish citizen, also made victory signs and derogatory statements with the aim of spreading the material as war propaganda online. He was jailed for four months. His lawyer has denied the charges. You more news on the hour
4: from RTHK. Good morning, welcome to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings. Your co-host this morning is Janice Wong. Good morning, Janice. Good morning. In our main topic this morning, we're looking at the overcrowding in public hospitals, especially ahead of the upcoming border reopening with the mainland. The hospital authority has been calling on patients with mild symptoms to seek treatment in the private sector. And currently, some patients may need to wait as long as eight hours at some emergency wards to receive treatment.
0: Officials also warned that queues may get even longer in the coming few days following the public holidays, citing that some internal wards of public hospitals had reached 130% occupancy rate. As the city is preparing to reopen its border with the mainland, some are worried that a possible spike in COVID-19 cases may bring extra burden on the public health care system. The AHA said it has formulated contingency plans and will prioritise medical services and drugs for Hong Kong residents.
4: So how are public hospitals doing during this winter flu surge? Do we have enough medical resources to cope with the reopening of the border? And later, after 9.15, we're going to be talking to Primary Healthcare Commissioner Dr. Pang-Fei Chow about the latest primary Healthcare blueprint. So let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free, Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call. The number there, 233 88 Joining us first on the show this morning, discussing the situation in public hospitals, we have someone who has, has first-hand knowledge of them, uh, Dr. Aaron Lee. Dr. Aaron Lee is an emergency ward doctor at the Caritas uh, Medical Centre. Uh, good morning, Dr. Lee. Welcome to Backchat. Yes. Good
5: morning.
4: Good
2: morning. morning.
4: Uh, yeah. uh, now, now I, I think looking at the HA statistics, the ca- current wait at Caritas is about three hours, which is, is not great, but uh, is uh, certainly a lot less than it has been in some hospitals over, over the holidays.
2: Uh, Yes, especially uh, around the public holiday, uh, because the private clinic has been uh, closed due to the holiday. And then uh, people are rushing to the public hospital for uh, medical consultation. So the situation is an overcrowded uh, uh, condition in the uh, accident and emergency department now.
0: So so what are most patients uh, seeking help for?
2: Yeah, uh, because uh, now uh, we differentiate the patient into uh, COVID and non-COVID patient. And then um, we saw patients from uh, elderly homes and uh, uh, with fever, and then uh, usually the elderly home will do the rapid antigen test, the RAT test. And then uh, if they are positive, we. Classify them as uh, COVID, preliminary COVID-positive COVID patient. And then we will put them in a special area. Uh, and then the other patients who are a non-COVID patient, we uh, put them in the general waiting hall. So the situation is uh, we have more and more COVID patients because the outbreak is uh, here in Hong Kong, it's uh, more or less the... Uh, around uh twenty thousand cases per day in the past few weeks so uh, we saw more and more of this uh, COVID-19 positive patient due to the uh, winter situation do,
4: do you think uh, some uh, elderly homes some care homes they are they're too quick they're sending too many uh, patients to public hospitals
2: yeah uh, but uh, situation uh, would be better because uh, I think the government has been uh, arranging the elderly uh, patients who are uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, tested positive to stay inside the elderly homes uh, unless they have uh, deteriorated and then they must be sent to the hospital uh, or they are not uh, adequately vaccinated they will be sent to the isolation centre instead uh, of staying in the elderly homes. So uh, the uh, HA will be sending uh, outreach team, uh, the c team, the geriatric uh, outreach team, to see this patient and then to give the anti uh, viral uh, agent inside the elderly homes. So this will uh, reduce the number of... Uh, Cases to be referred to the accident and emergency department. Uh, it, so, uh, in the hope to reduce the number of attendants, just like in the February and the March, uh, we saw a lot of uh, cases being sent to the hospital. Uh, I hope, uh, hopefully, this will reduce the uh, overloading uh, and overcrowded condition of the public hospital.
0: All right. Mr. Lee, earlier you, you mentioned that uh, at the emergency wards, there are more and more uh, COVID uh, cases. Um, what would you say is the ratio between a uh, um, number of COVID pa- uh, cases and, and the number of non-COVID cases?
2: Yeah, uh, in the past few weeks, uh, we saw uh, more cases coming in. Uh, uh, as I recall, uh, in my hospital, uh, there will be around 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 uh, 70 to 80 cases per day who are tested uh, the RET positive cases, uh, sending to uh, are coming to the hospital. But uh, the situation seems to be better now, uh, and the cases uh, case, case load will be reduced to around maybe 40 cases per day. Uh, so uh, I think uh, in general the situation is, uh, much better than uh, in February, but, uh, the additional, uh, problem we are facing is the, you, you see there will be a reopening of the, uh, border, uh, so that the patient from mainland China may come to Hong Kong to seek medical attention. Uh, and then we are in, uh, we are a bit afraid that, uh, the case law will be increasing around the Chinese New Year.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. But uh, Dr. Lee, earlier the uh, hospital authority did say they have uh, formulated plans to uh, limit hospital services for um, those who uh, do not hold a uh, Hong Kong ID cards and uh, they will only provide them with uh, emergency services, and they won't be allowed to visit uh, designated clinics. Uh, um, so, so the problem you're talking about uh, earlier about the uh, border reopening issue um, is that should that be a less of a concern?
2: Yeah, but. Uh you know, uh, there are a lot of uh, Hong Kong residents who are staying in the mainland, especially in the Guangdong uh, provinces. So uh, I think the reopening of the border, uh, some of these Hong Kong residents will be coming back to Hong Kong to seek uh, medical attention. We know, uh, uh, I, I, I heard from uh, my, one of my colleagues that uh, working in the Twin Wun Hospital, there are uh, uh, much closer to the border, and they are afraid that uh, even the elderly uh, who are staying in the O.H. home in mainland China may be sent back to Hong Kong for medical attention on request of the relatives here in Hong Kong. So uh, the situation is uh, still unpredictable. But uh, I think the public uh, sector has been doing some contingency plan. Uh, as I know, uh, 25% of the uh, non-emergency uh, procedures like uh, some surgery or some endoscopic uh, procedure has been uh, postponed or canceled. And then to reserve the manpower in order to cater the increase in uh, this uh, overloading situation uh, predicted uh, in the
4: forthcoming Chinese period. It's going to be, a, though, a gradual reopening of the border. There are going to be quotas, first of all. So you're, you're not going to see a huge rush immediately, right, of yeah. patients?
2: Yeah, yeah. This is... Uh, I mean, hopefully, there will be a... Uh, the quota will be limited because uh, we at least we can control the number of uh, these uh, patients coming back to Hong Kong to seek uh, medical attention. But... Uh, as you know, uh, we have a dual uh, medical system here in Hong Kong, uh, uh, the public and also the private sector. So uh, I heard that uh, the private sector will be uh, able to prescribe the antiviral uh, viral agent, uh, and then also uh, the private sector will be giving uh, bivalent. COVID-19 vaccination uh, at their clinic soon, because the government has uh, released the control of this medication and the injection. So uh, this may be one of the attractions to the people in China, because they know, oh, I can pay money and then I can go to Hong Kong to receive this uh, antiviral agent or the vaccination at the private clinics so more of these patients may be coming to hong kong for medical attention we don't know whether these patients are covid 19 positive or not so if they come rush to hong kong uh, i'm a bit worried that the outbreak may be increased uh, in hong kong because we know that currently in china uh, they have relaxed all the restric- their, most of their restrictions, and then uh, so the outbreak is still uh, unpredictable in Hong Kong. As more people will be rushing to Hong Kong, yeah.
4: Okay, we're discussing uh, the uh, waiting time, long waiting times at uh, local public hospitals ahead of the uh, reopening of the border of China. Patients at some hospitals currently having to wait as long as eight hours. Uh, you just heard uh, Dr. Aaron Lee, an emergency uh, ward doctor at the Caritas Medical Centre. Uh, if you've got any thoughts, uh, do uh, email us at backchat at rthk.hk, backchat at rthk.hk, or leave a message on our Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio free. A comment from uh, Mike uh, by coming in by email. Uh, Mike says, rthk's should educate people as to what an emergency is when you go to the emergency room or, or, or whether you should go to your primary care doctor positive care of covid does mean you need to go to the hospital i, I think i you mean do, does there mike, or do, doesn't uh they say mike goes on to say you're creating your own problem by letting non-emergency people into emergency rooms severe pain difficulty breathing or bleeding uh, everyone else should go and see their primary care doctor. Uh, let's just uh, sort of, uh, go back to Dr. Erin Lee again for a moment on that. Uh, Dr. Erin Lee is an emergency ward uh, a doctor, as we mentioned, at Caritas. Um, our, our listeners comment, uh, Dr. Lee, how, how much of a problem is it that some of the people you're treating in the emergency ward are not really emergency patients? Yeah, uh,
2: this is a main problem because uh, we uh, usually triage the patient uh, into category one, two, three, four, five. five, uh, and then we can see uh, the um, those who are in need of the emergency services will be category one, two, and three. But uh, for the group uh, categorizing to four and five, who are non-emer, non-emergency
5: patients, usually this could be the problems could be deal with uh, by
2: the primary care sector. Uh, as you mentioned, maybe they cut their finger, uh, uh, accidentally they need suturing, some of them may be attending for uh, gastroenteritis, uh, diarrhea problem, and, and maybe some pain problem as well. So, uh, I hopefully, uh, these patients can be channeled to the uh, primary care clinics. But as you know, uh, HA, H.A. has been devoting their resources to fight for the COVID-19 and turn some of the primary care clinic into the dedicated clinic to deal with the fever cases. So uh, we rely on the private clinic to uh, channel this non-emergency patient uh, back to the primary care sector. But uh, in the coming uh, public holidays period, like the Chinese New Year, uh, some of the private clinics will be closed up again, and then we uh, we we are a bit afraid that uh, people will be still rushing to the emergency department for uh, medical attention during that period.
4: Let's, let's so just we, yeah,
2: we predict the number of attendants will be increased uh, during the public holiday.
4: Let's just clarify an important point where when the hospital authority publishes these lists of waiting times at hospitals for your own hospital, uh, Caritas at the moment is saying over three hours, some other hospitals saying seven or eight hours. Um, if you triage patients, that waiting time, is, it, is that referring to the lower, ca- the lower categories, the categories four and five when, when you see that time? If anyone who's in category one, two or three should be seen much, much more quickly. Is that right? Or they have to wait similar times? Yes.
2: Yes, you are correct, because those who are triaged into category 1, 2, 3, we, we have to uh, see them as soon as possible. So we will devote our uh, resources to deal with uh, those emergency cases, because the patient uh, is in category 1, they need resuscitation. So in the category 2 and 3, they need immediate uh, medical attention. Uh, uh, so... This patient, we will devote uh, most of our energy to save lives. But uh, for Category 4 and 5, then it will be very long waiting time. As you mentioned, the waiting time on the uh, electronic platform that you see uh, released by AHA, uh, I think the waiting time is mostly related to Category 4 and 5. So uh, the problem is uh, the long waiting time will be... Uh, I think mainly uh, you can see them in the big hospital, the uh, major hospital like the Queen Elizabeth Hospital, the Queen Mary Hospital, the Twin Moon Hospital, uh, etc. So these big hospitals, they have a more uh, heavy uh, uh, workload, and then you can see more patients and a longer waiting time in these hospitals.
4: Okay, thank you very much. That's Dr. Aaron Lee, emergency ward doctor at Caritas Medical Centre. Now, now let's also bring in Alex Lam joins us. Alex Lam, Chair of uh, Hong Kong Patients Voice. Uh, Good morning, um, Mr. Lam. Welcome to Back Chat. Good morning. Okay. Uh, We just heard Dr. Lee saying that actually um, really serious emergency patients are still being seen quickly at public hospitals. So is there really such a cause for concern? Well,
3: uh, indeed. uh, uh, Well, I I listened to uh, Dr. Lee's uh, mentioning about figures in his own hospital, but he, he seems um, uh, doesn't have the uh, you know full picture. I, I have the figures from the uh, HA uh, telling us that um, it, almost every day there are about 500 to 700 uh, new patients admitted to uh, the hospitals. Uh, they are being hospitalised, so so we can imagine that every day you have a new uh, comers uh, needing this service in the public hospitals. Um, and talking about, um, you know, currently, we have about five to 6,000 patients using the surface uh, in, in the wards. So um, and among these figures, uh, there are about uh, 800 people, 800 patients requiring uh, the oxygen therapy and about 100 uh, patients uh, requiring the ventilator support. So I, I think um, the, the number telling us that uh, we have a huge demand of the uh, Uh, the beds in the public hospitals, and uh, we can uh, foresee that because um, apparently there's an outbreak in in the mainland, and because of the lack of transparency, we can foresee that um, in the coming days, when the border is open again, that uh, there might be uh, more uh, infection cases in Hong Kong, whether they are Local cases, or they come from the mainland. Uh, there's a real concern that uh, I, I believe that uh, if the HA is prepared for this, uh, we we expect them to tell us uh, how they're going to manage this uh, uh, increasing number of uh, infection cases, possibly in the near future.
4: I, I think earlier on, uh, Doctor Doctor Lee actually said they're already making some contingency plans. Uh, well, so we don't it, know what
3: it, what they are. In,
4: in it. <laughs> okay, well then let's go. Let's go back to Dr. Lee. Can you yeah. say anything more about your contingency plans for the? Um, uh, as you said, you're concerned about when the border opens that, uh, especially Hong Kong people living on the mainland may travel back to um, Hong Kong for medical care. Well, what are the conting- contingency plans at your hospital for when that happens?
2: Yes, uh, I agree with uh, Alex's uh, comment because. Uh, Besides the attendance, we have to look into the bad state of the public hospitals because uh, more and more COVID patients will need uh, hospitalization and then they are occupying the medical ward. And uh, in that aspect, if the number of cases, is, now we see a, a gradual reduce in the number of local cases. But uh, soon after the reopening of the border, there may be a increase again. So already our medical ward is f- uh, fully occupied. It's more than one hundred and fifteen percent bed occupancy. Then the patient to be admitted to the wards will be stuck in the accident emergency department waiting to be admitted. I recall uh, waiting time to be admitted to the medical ward will maybe several hours or even uh, eight hours to be admitted to the ward. So uh, these patients may not be able to receive the uh, immediate medical uh, treatment they need. As you know, uh, as Alice has mentioned, many uh, fragile patients may need oxygen, may need ventilator support, uh, which are mainly uh, supplied by the medical ward. And our uh, department is uh, a small department. So if uh, too many patients are stuck in the emergency room, that that will be a big problem. Right. So uh, besides waiting to be seeing a doctor, the waiting time is long. Another waiting time is to be admitted to the ward. Then uh, you see the patient will be fully stuck in our department. And we don't know... Uh, what will be the situation around the Chinese New Year?
0: All right, Dr. Lee. What about uh, patients with mild symptoms? Uh, the, the Secretary for Health, uh, Lo Chung-mao, he's called on people with uh, mild symptoms to seek uh, medical help from private practitioners instead or, or general clinics. I mean, is that uh, would that help?
2: Yes, yes. Uh, actually, uh, I'm uh, also uh, working with the Hong Kong Medical Association, which is the medical body uh, uh they are channeling uh, they are trying to urge the public to stay uh, if they are not emergency cases to go to the private clinic they have set up a map, map, uh, surface to tell the uh, public where they can see medical attention from the private clinic during the public holiday i think uh, because some of the Uh, private practitioner will still open their clinic during the public holiday, not uh, too many but uh, still very helpful. So I hope uh, that the public will uh, look into the MedLink supply to see which clinic will be open and then they can go to the private clinic during the long uh, public holiday period.
0: Mr. Lam, um, have you been speaking to some of your members? Are, Are they willing to seek help from private practitioners instead?
3: I, I have not um, uh, spoken with them individually, but one can uh, imagine that uh, if you, because there, there's a price differentiation between the public system and the private system, we're talking about, you know, if you go visit the, the uh, emergency uh, department in public hospital, you are basically paying about $180 to um, almost free for certain uh, uh, eligible persons. Um, but if you go visit, to, uh, visit the uh, private sector, you are paying about 300-400 dollars, including safe of uh, medicine. So there's a, a huge difference between you know, these two systems, that uh, people may be um, uh, willing to wait for the free service instead of going to the, um, the private sector. So they may not be able to uh, solve the problem. I think the the triage system will create a a, a burden for the people who are not willing to uh visit the private system that uh they have to wait for a long time before they can really see uh doctor and receive the service um so it is something that uh, they have to consider but I think it is not a a good policy for um you know trying to tell people to go private if they can't wait for too long, because there are still people who are willing to wait uh, for, uh, I wouldn't say a better service, but for a free service, they are willing to wait and that will, you know, the problem will remain the same.
4: And how about if you increase uh, charges in in, uh, emergency wards, Um, uh, that's another way of trying to sort of narrow the difference?
3: Well, that, that's another matter that's been the uh, discussion for a long time. But still, as I say, there, there are some people who are, are qualified. They are not, uh, you know, um, uh, they are not um, required to pay for the service uh, because, uh, you know, they are receiving a, um, um, uh, government funding or okay. um, um, social welfare
4: support. Okay, thank you. We'll have, to, we'll have to take a break there and we'll say goodbye to uh, Dr Aaron Lee, an emergency ward uh, doctor at uh, the Caritas Medical Centre, but uh, Alex Lamb stays with us and we will be joined by other guests after nine o'clock to uh, continue this discussion. Later on we'll also be talking to the uh, uh, Commissioner for Primary Healthcare Care about the, that new primary health care blueprint. If you have any thoughts on either topic, email us at chat at or you can leave a message on our Facebook page, backchat on rthk radio free. The weather forecast: the temperature will rise to around 22 degrees, and the outlook is sunny. Periods in the couple of days ahead, currently 18 degrees, relative humidity 78%. Stay with us, we'll be back in three minutes. Hey. Welcome back to Back Chat. I'm Danny Gittings your co-host this morning is Janice Wong in the uh, second half of the show we're continuing our discussion about uh, the long waiting times in public hospitals uh, up to 8 hours at some hospitals currently um, and concerns that these these could get worse um, after the borders reopen with uh, China especially we heard an emergency ward doctor in the first half of the programme talking about how you expect an influx of um, uh, Hong Kong people from China coming back to Hong Kong to seek medical attention then Uh, later on we're going to be talking to uh, the new commissioner for primary health care about uh, the primary health care blueprint our guest as we continue the discussion uh, alex lamb chair of the hong kong patients voices and we're also now joined by dr david lamb who's the medical and health services lawmaker if you have any uh, thoughts uh, do email us at backchat at rthk.hk that's backchat at rthk.hk or you can leave a message on our facebook page backchat on rthk radio free and uh, let's bring in a comment from a listener on our facebook page henry says talking about the long waiting times at public hospitals. This kind of situation coping with emergencies has occurred time and again but it seems the problem remains unresolved and is getting worse. This is nothing new and I wonder what past authority hospital chairman and those senior managers have been doing or are they up to standard up to what people expect. We heard the usual causes doctors leaving the public service insufficient hospital beds insufficient doctors etc. But why can't the government, with he- such huge resources, not do sufficient work to address this? Can they not take bold decisions and address the root causes? Doing short-term fixes is just like taking painkilling um, painkilling pills; it only works for a while. I wonder if the new primary health uh, uh, primary care blueprint, though correct, would work uh, when the government is so lousy in this area. For indicates, or could it be another mess? Or worse still, both public health services and primary care blueprint have big problems that are going to be created. Thank you very much, Henry.
0: All right. And Dr. David Lam, do you, what do you think of uh, Henry's comment just then? Uh, do you think uh, the problem is getting worse? I mean, the waiting time at public hospitals?
6: The waiting time for emergency consultations uh, at A&E departments has been more or less the same all these years. We have a surge in the number of patients attending during flu season. And this year, of course, it's just not a flu season. It's a COVID season uh, because we are seeing an increasing number of COVID cases in the past several weeks. Although uh, there seems to be signs of uh, slowing down. I don't know. But then that is what we have been uh, facing for many years. And um, now I heard from what uh, Danny just said about COVID. Uh, uh, the primary health care blueprint that may or may not help the situation in the long run Um, because the hospital authority A&E's are seeing basically all sorts of cases uh, from the real emergencies to the relatively less urgent cases. If you visit places like Australia and you have a common cold, which is not severe and you have no fever, and you try to get into one of those emergency departments, the nurse there will stop you and just asked you, why don't you go to see your primary care doctor or your, to get some medicine from a pharmacist? But in Hong Kong, we have asked the hospital authorities several years ago, why can't they do the same? That is to ask people who do not have urgent situations to attend their own family doctors. But then the uh, response was that they see everyone. So that leads to what we are now seeing when in times of stress, the waiting time is getting longer and longer. So um, what we hope to see in the long run is that we have more people going to their family doctors when they do not have an urgent situation. And we have good um, uh, uh, diver- uh, diver- diversion uh, nurses at the hospital's authorities, at least to divert people away when their situation is really stable. So those sorts of things might work. But again, when we have a flu season, Every year, then uh, we are always under pressure.
0: Right. In in the first half of the program, um, Dr. Lee and also Mr. Lam, they both um, expressed concern that uh, after the uh, mainland border reopens, the the problem, the situation may worsen. Do you share their view, Dr. Lam?
6: Uh, No, No, we are opening our borders to the rest of the world, except uh, we have a very limited uh, passage through to mainland China in the past several months. And what we see is that about five percent, four to five percent of the new cases every day, are imported. That means over 95 percent of the cases are local, and the bulk of the case is really putting pressure on our medical system, and not the four or five percent of the cases who are imported. When we fully open our border with mainland, yes, there may be a possibility that more people are coming back to Hong Kong who are really Hong Kong people, Hong Kong residents. Uh, and when they come back, they may be carrying the virus, although they may have a full blown illness, and in a few days' time, they may go to visit the emergency department, and that that causes some sort of pressure to our system. Yes, it may happen. Um, and I agree that we have to make sure our contingency measures are adequate to address this issue, because I do not think the number will be uh, like a huge amount of work but yes, there would be some pressure. Uh,
4: let's go back to Alex Lam on that, because Alex Lam, you, you were saying earlier that you're, you're, you're a bit uncertain about what kind of, or you're a bit concerned that, about what kind of conting- contingency plans have been made, is that right?
3: Yes, uh, uh, after listening to, to Dr. Lee, I, I didn't really hear from him uh, as to what the, uh, uh, contingency plan uh, would be in place, but uh, seeing the, the huge number of uh, bad occupancy, talking about 120%, uh, it's not a good sign at the present moment. So if there's a, a further um, increased number of uh, patients requiring uh, bad service in public hospital, that uh, we we are uh, concerned that how uh, the medical system will handle this situation.
4: Uh, Dr. Lam? Mm-hmm. I, I, I Saying that, um, and we, we've heard this be uh, earlier on that uh, they're Although you talk about making contingency plans, it's not really clear w- what actual contingency plans are being made. No, we're not clear. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're not clear either. We're so you you, clear. You, you you would you would share uh, Alex Lamb's concern that um, uh, yeah, there's we've more. We've been asking, yeah, we've been asked calling the government to um, make it open,
6: uh, so that more transparent, so that people understand what the contingency plan are. But what we've heard so far is the hospital authority will deploy more people to the emergency room to help out. But how that is going to be done, we're not quite sure. And what are the numbers, we're not quite sure. And the hospital authority also mentioned that they will be cutting non-emergency, non-emergency cases so that more manpower can be diverted to the emergency rooms. But again, how far is that going to affect our usual non-emergency services? Again, we don't know. So I would wish to see more transparent plans Yes,
4: And looking ahead, this is going to be the new normal, isn't it? I mean, COVID's not going away, and COVID is normally going to be worse in wintertime, like like other respiratory infections. So um, hospitals, which uh, in Hong Kong and around the world, which has struggled before just with flu surges in in winter, every year they're going to be dealing with both flu and COVID, right? So these problems are going to come back again.
6: Yes, in a way, yes. But we do not have a flu surge this year. If you look at the numbers, it's really... really a very low figure in terms of flu, and most the vast majority of our cases are COVID. So far, of course, we still have a few months to go uh, with respect to the flu season. So, uh, yes, if the if the flu also comes up together with COVID, then that may be a severe that may um, serve a severe blow to our uh, rather brittle uh, 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 emergency room
4: surfaces because if we if we look around the world there are plenty of other countries america they talk about the tr- tr- tridemic there are plenty of other countries yeah. which are facing sim, um, simultaneous uh, flu and covid surges you're saying we're lucky in hong kong that that hasn't hit us so far this winter but it, so it might it, it might come later this winter and by the law Definitely. averages it's going to come what, if it's not this winter next winter or the winter after
6: yes 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 but we don't know how severe is that covid going to be in a year's time or even three months' time when we have new strains popping up now and then, And the strains so of us seems to be getting kind of more milder, uh, although because of the sheer number of cases infected, you still see a great number of uh, severe cases and maybe uh, mortality cases in hospital, which is certainly another pressure on our system uh, because COVID is much more transmissible than flu as of now. So that is a worry.
4: So the hope is that by the time you get hit by a twin surge of of flu and COVID, COVID will have have evolved into an even even less serious threat, is that that what you're saying?
6: Well, it has been going that way, but we can't be sure because things can turn around and get more severe. So eventually the the answer lies in vaccination and adequacy of uh, all sorts of drugs, including antivirals. And luckily we do have enough antivirals at the moment and the the vaccination rates of COVID is pretty high, although uh, those over 80 years of age and those who are in the early childhood or infancy, they are still uh, relatively low in the vaccination rates, which we have to step up. But then the vaccination rate for flu has always, always been very low in Hong Kong, and that is something we should do. If we can can step up the flu vaccination rate uh, as much as the COVID vaccination rate, then I would hope to see a much less severe um, flu surge in the years to come.
0: Right. And earlier, um, Dr. Lam, you said uh, you're hoping to see more transparency from the government too uh, when it comes to a contingency plan. Um, What's your view? I mean, what can the women, what should the government do to deal with uh, an expected uh, surge in uh, demand for for, uh, medical services?
6: No. For many years, the government's only focused on the hospital authority and their own department of health. But we understand half of all our doctors are working in private practice and half of those doctors who are in private practice are actually family doctors or GPs. So you should always remember they are there, ready to help. And of course, you have to purchase service from them if you want them to help. But it is always possible. And for a long time, that has not been done. Now, during the COVID pandemic, uh, a pandemic the government has changed their mind a little and uh, recruited primary care doctors in helping with for instance the designated clinics the um awe holding centers and also uh taking up some of the work in um the inside hospital authority and also telemedicine but that seems to be rather fragmented and insufficient so we hope to see in the long run uh, primary care actually takes up a much bigger role in terms of preventive care for infectious diseases as well as the treatment of milder diseases. So that would really make full use or at least a better use of all health healthcare manpower in the community and not only the 50% who are working in hospital authority and the departments of health. Now that increases our Um, human resources significantly if we can use them cleverly. That is not something we are
4: seeing yet. Uh, yes, and a reminder: we we hope to be talking about the uh, primary healthcare blueprint with the uh, new commissioner for primary healthcare in, in just a few minutes. Um, but continue on the, the current topic on the hospital hospital waiting times. So let's bring in a comment from a listener, an email. If you want to, any thoughts on either topic, just email us at backchat at rthk. At IHK, or you can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio Free. Uh, Bob says. It's just over a year ago that the then Secretary for Health, flanked by the Chairman of the Hospital Authority, Henry Fang, and others in the healthcare field, announced that they hoped for the best, but were prepared for the worst. Since that day, Hong Kong has seen a public healthcare shambles. And here we are once again debating if our system can stand on its own feet. It's time for some of these well-paid officials to be held to account for this situation. And uh, maybe Alex Lamb would you go back to you for uh, your, 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 your closing thoughts. Uh, did, did you agree with our listener about uh, accountability for this?
3: Well, I, 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 I don't know what to say because uh, there has been a change of uh, chairmanship uh, over the years, and uh, almost uh, you know we see that uh, in the. Um, in once in the five or six years' time that uh, you will you, you have a new chairman. And uh, the current chairman is not really a medical professional. Uh, so, I, of course, he, he has experience in, in running a big um, corporation. But as to running a medical system uh, is another matter. So um, I, I think that there has to be a reform of the uh, uh, HA system and uh, combined with the uh, the upcoming uh, blueprints of the uh, primary healthcare, I think that HK can do a more um, uh, uh, better role in uh, serving the Hong Kong community, uh, while the uh, the primary uh, primary healthcare system will serve uh, uh, an uh, other role um, in in the long run.
4: Okay, and uh, D- David Lam, uh, the, the comment from our listener about accountability. What are your thoughts on that?
6: The chairman of the hospital authority uh, steers the way forward, uh, but then it is also under the auspices of the health bureau. So eventually it goes to the health bureau. Now back to the front line, which is more important, uh, is really about triage and capacity. Now we do not have a very good way of triaging because the hospital authority had decided many years ago to see everyone. So if you have a minor flu or just a headache, you just go to visit, visit the emergency room and they have to see them. So if we can triage all these patients who are less severe, we, they call them category four or five, back to the community uh, and the government buys some of those services from uh, private practitioners or provide some of those services from the department of health, then triage can reduce the need um, in the hospital authority emergency room. The second thing is about capacity. Now. Uh, how to increase the capacity for Im- real emergency cases is a big issue. Uh, we we always have this problem during winter flu surge, um, and I believe we need to have a standing kind of um, uh, a way of diverting and deploying uh, manpower to the emergency rooms instead of every time we like start afresh and think again how we're going to handle.
4: Okay, thank you very much. Uh, you just heard uh, Dr. David Lam, the medical and health services lawmaker, uh, and Alex Ch- Ch- Lam, uh, Chair- chairman of the Hong Kong Patients Voices, uh, talking about uh, the pressures on our um, uh, public hospitals, and in particular, uh, you just heard uh, Dr. David Lam uh, talking about the need uh, to, uh, to triage back to the community and focus more on uh, primary health care. And continuing on that topic, uh, we are now joined uh, by the new commissioner for primary health care, uh, Dr. Fei Chow, Dr pang is also a clinical associate professor at the university of hong kong's faculty of medicine uh good morning dr pang congratulations on your appointment and welcome to back chat
5: Oh, good morning. Dennis. Good
4: morning. Now, I'm sure you, 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 you've seen the comments by uh, the uh, former health secretary uh, saying that we uh, must be very careful that um, the new primary health care authority doesn't become a toothless tiger. Um, what, what are your thoughts? about? I mean, it's all very well, isn't it, to, to talk about these things, right, and to recognise the need, but actually translating that into, into action can be the real challenge, can't it?
5: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, primary health care, now we may change the name, not use the authority, probably that we use a lot of um, um, misunderstanding about the role and function that compare with hospital authority. So the primary health care commission now we are going to use. Um, I think the role is, as I say, to build the infrastructure and also the system in the community and see how we can have uh, our services. Um, as uh, you know, mainly adopt the prevention uh, instead of treatment-based system. At the moment, Hong Kong is dominant. So um, those infrastructure are very important because at the moment Hong Kong has a lot of services provided private and also different scattered you know service spots uh, in the Department of Health or the GOPD sometimes to provide. The, the um, chronic disease management. <clears throat> so, how can we uh, uh, turn our system to have uh, you know uh, close collaboration between the private and public, and uh, as well as the other community services in in the district, so that the, um, we can have the you know the more organized approach. If there's uh, you know uh, some people with minor illnesses, or some uh, they want to have a preventive care like a screening or health advices, I think this is the approach we try to adopt.
4: Yeah. And earlier on, we had a comment from another listener who says who's who's talking about the primary health care blueprint and saying, well, um, maybe it will work. But alternatively, you get to a situation where both the public health service and the primary health um, care system both have big problems. The situation overall situation would become even even worse. I mean, what what are your response to that listener?
5: Um, I think the uh, pressure to the public is no doubt because the, you know all the people, you know, they, I think they need to rush to A&E or go to the general, general patient like National clinics for specific services. For the, in the private, uh, I think the, the service provision is quite uneven and also the people, they sometimes don't have a match, the family doctors, and so they're not sure who they are, uh, they should go to seek the service from. And also, you know, some programs are quite program-based and uh, it's not, uh, you know, follow-up patient for a long time or follow-up the citizen for a long time, resident for a long time. So <clears throat> the people may not have uh, very good trust or confidence in the in the private, uh, in the other way around, they may not know about the prices set in in the, for the certain programs. So, um, our aim is try to see how we can extend our public services in the private sectors in a very systematic and organized approach so that, uh, like the uh, Family Doctors for All scheme, we think about trying to match the people with uh, family doctors and have a longer term follow up with some program support. And also try to see whether we can incentivize some of the <laughs> screening programs so that they understand. Some services which is not available in the public sector for the moment, and they, they should seek the service at the, as early as possible, especially when they have some problems at very early stage or asymptomatic phase, and that will help uh, because in longer term, especially, uh, especially we can prevent some you know problem turning into very serious condition. Uh, you are probably aware that the current <coughs> treatment-based hospital system really mainly focus on those uh, uh, more ill case or more uh, people in critical condition or prioritize them into more serious illness to uh, get the treatment first. However, as you know, um, uh, everybody knows that if you have a good health status, uh, manage the disease early phase, or screen when you don't know whether you have uh, your risk or your conditions, when this is very, very early stage, so that then you can, uh, you know, maintain the good health uh, without uh, you know um seeking the uh, the hospital service uh, until really there's something happening. you need the specialized care then um then in like many other uh, well developed overseas countries there there will be collaboration and communication between the primary health, primary care sector and the secondary care and then that they can that can uh, manage the problem in the co care or shared care approach. Right, Dr. Pang. Uh,
0: yeah. uh, you're talking about uh, a lot about uh, collaboration or closer collaboration between the private and public sector, but yeah. um, how are you going to actually make it work? I mean, it's not just about changing the system, is it? It's also about changing people's mindset. I mean, how are you going to do that?
5: Yeah, I, I think the <clears throat> mindset actually, um, the change of mindset, uh, basically, I think in the past few years, the COVID actually, I think changed the mindset a lot of people, they understand what's the purpose of vaccination, how they should maintain the good personal health and then uh, even at uh, what kind of uh, stage they should seek the, the medical care and also even other, uh, other health care. So I, I think this situation uh, basically changed a lot in the past few years. Well, what we need to do is to keep on driving this uh, momentum, and then we develop the system and go through the promotion education. And uh, like district health center, we try to reposition it and to provide more individualized, you know, healthcare and also information that can connect them with the network like family doctors or even some, uh, you know, rehabilitation service. As well as the maybe in future, if we have, uh, you know, Chinese medicine network, we will still go in for that network too. And uh, like community pharmacies, or so very good community resources that we try to look at. So in longer term, firstly is the we try to ride on the momentum, drive the preventive care concept, develop a health plan for people like individualized healthcare devices that can provide by family doctors. And then we through the district health center that support those networks. And then we hope to have the more people who benefit from this sort of preventive approach. And then they understand that would be good to their health. And also they need to invest on their health, like uh, doing more exercise, good diet, and so reduce the you know smoking habits and also alcohol intake and so on. So based on the the prevention approach, um, that will help a lot.
0: Right. You just mentioned the concept of family doctors. I mean, how will that actually work? I mean, um, will the government uh, cooperate more with the private sector? I mean, because if you just rely on the public sector right now, at the moment, if you go to public hospital, I mean, you're most likely um, to see, you, you won't see the same doctor each time you go to a public hospital. I mean, so how would that uh, concept of family doctors work?
5: Yeah, <coughs> so um, uh, as far as we, we understand that uh, there are lots of family doctors doctors which actually uh, in the community which help in lots of programs but uh, that program is uh, not some sort of match program that means the uh, person may not uh, match the specific doctors so that they could follow up with them for uh, like the, the series of health interventions like you know, vaccination, screening, individual mice and so on. So we now set up the primary care register which we have already uh, 2,600, more than 2,600 doctors who uh, join the directory. And then uh, we will work with those doctors and then try to expand because uh, the, uh, uh, the health voucher which also engage a lot for private doctors who use the health voucher to manage the preventive uh, diseases. So um, then when we put them together and then we we try to engage them and see um, uh, whether they would like to practice family medicine practices and then we will engage and match them with uh, uh, people who want to have family doctors uh, through like a pilot program, cold care, uh, chronic disease school care program and also we try to see whether we can in future uh, group the vaccination program and also like colorectal Cancer Screening Program, maybe there are more programs coming then we try to uh, link up those uh, programs with uh, family doctors uh, that could be designate or match, and then uh, through those uh, um, build, through those we try to build a long term relationship between family doctors and individual resident, and see where can whether we can do more uh, through this network. And especially district health center, they can support the network like family doctors. If really they want more uh, multidisciplinary support, like dietitian, um, physiotherapy, or uh, nurses support, that, that would be also possible in district health center. So through this uh, network network coordination, and uh, also through the relationship building between the family doctors and resident, we hope that uh, this system could gradually formulate. And then we try to you know build uh, you know in future there will be primary health care commission. We try. To see whether we can formalise the, the system through the legal framework or other programmes that can subsidise the 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 resident. so that um, through those processes, I think we can gradually build up the infrastructure and also the system.
0: Right, and Dr. Pang, that, that's a lot of uh, changes there you're talking about. So is yeah, there yeah. is there a rough yeah, so is there yes is there a rough timeline for implementing all those changes you've just mentioned?
5: Uh, We try to start uh, the pilot and implement, uh, you know, chronic disease co-care program and then through that co-care program we try to see whether we can start the network building. Second is the uh, digital health center. We already have 18 digital health centers and then we try to reposition them and see uh, we can try uh, to support the family doctors through the uh, services that that are available in, in the centers. And then um, I, I think this program will be a very good start. and then uh, we try to uh, look into the um, primary healthcare registers directory and convert them into registering features so that we could build in some quality assurance system. and then through the com- uh, communication and, um, and the information collected available in the e-Health eHealth you know e-Health is a, a computer platform, a software prof- platform that can collect uh, individualized uh, uh, medical health records. And then we can share those records with the service providers and then we can follow up the patients, uh, the, the condition and and then um, through those, you know, information sharing, individual contact family doctors network, I believe uh, in the coming years we gradually start the, the, the infrastructure building. Just the need time to take up the coverage because the people need to understand what's the system they can um, they can get the benefits from on their health improvement. So um, yeah, um, uh, this is the overall approach. And, and then uh, after establishment of uh, Primary Health Com- Commission in 2024, then we'll have uh, more resources and coordination with General Outpatient Clinic and also the current Service Provision Department of Health. And then when I see uh, we'll how we can consolidate the services
4: okay. so that they can have a better access. Okay, thank you very much indeed. Yeah. Uh, that was, thank you very much for joining us. That was the Dr. Pang Fei Chow, uh, Commissioner for Primary Healthcare, talking about uh, the way ahead for the primary healthcare blueprint, which is a policy priority for the government. Uh, I leave for the last word to uh, one of our listeners, uh, Brett, in an email, uh, coming back to uh, the issue of uh, the waiting times at uh, local public hospitals. And in particular, there was much discussion about what contingency, contingency, contingency plans the hospital authority has if the situation gets worse with the reopening of the border with the mainland. Uh, Brett says, I-